Welcome back to another episode of Friends From Work. This is a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's a podcast that's hosted by me, Kyle Sconowill, and my longtime friend from work, Robbie Earl. Robbie? Do you know, I don't even know what we're dancing about, but it feels good. Do you know what that's for? It's because just recently the Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning trailer dropped, and I just rewatched it right before I hit record on this. <laughs> I love how excited you are for this Mission Impossible movie. I um, think that as oh. we're getting closer to it, uh, I'm I'm really excited for the Mission Impossible movie. But I think that I have the, I think I have the same feelings about the new Indiana Jones movie that you do about the. The new Mission Impossible movie. Okay. That just reminds me of how unbelievably fun this summer is going to be. It's going to be fun as a fan of all these different things. It's going to be fun as a podcast to get a chance to talk about this stuff over on Screensaver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember a summer where I was this stoked. And and keep this in mind, that's without a Marvel film technically releasing yeah. this yeah. summer. But yeah. I just don't remember a summer where there's this many that I'm interested in. It's usually two to three trips to the theater for Annika and I throughout the summer, mm-hmm. this might be a four or fiver. If you had to yeah. quick off the top of your head rank your most anticipated summer releases, what's the order? Oh, gosh. I think it probably would be, in, weirdly, either Indiana Jones or Oppenheimer. Uh, the thing about Indiana Jones is it's just such a special... It's a, it's a movie that's been attempt people have attempted to recreate that mm-hmm. magic in so many ways like in the uncharted movie and it's just you can't beat that mix of Harrison Ford and the Spielberg-esque thing that that comes together with Indiana Jones and then the interesting thing here is Spielberg's not directing but uh mm. so I'm just I'm excited about that do you know I've who is the by the way we've gotten off the top of your head? uh James Mangle oh okay yeah, who folks will know from uh, on the superhero side, Logan, but he also directed uh, like Walk the Line. Okay, uh, kind of all all over the place, but I'm missing some. Uh, he's one of those directors that that more and more I'm uh, I'm trusting, and so I'm. As Steven Spielberg came out and said that he didn't think anybody else could make a Mission Impossible. Sorry. He didn't think anybody <laughs> else could make an Indiana Jones movie. Um, and then he saw the the first cut of this, and it proved him wrong. So I'm excited to see what that looks like. Uh, after that, though, as sort of a 1B would be Oppenheimer. Uh, we've talked about Christopher Nolan. Then I think Mission Impossible for me. Oh, man. Um, then The Flash. No, no, no. Sorry. Then, yeah, then The Flash. And then, <laughs> yeah, we're probably missing some Barbie. Yeah. Uh, that new I Wes really Anderson about film. Barbie too. I'm it, well, yeah, man, Asteroid City. Yeah, I'm there. It's crazy. Like this summer is crazy, which is what we're focusing on. But there are even some releases all the way through the rest of the year that we're going to be hitting on screensaver. Yeah, uh, some stuff that like it's it's such a a weird time because we had. There are so many movies that were delayed or put on the shelf during the COVID period uh, or <laughs> in the COVID back. aftermath <laughs> that are finally like the uh, the Timothy Chalamet. I texted you about this yesterday. The Timothy Chalamet Willy Wonka movie oh, yeah. that I feel like was greenlit a million years ago. Like I'm pretty sure I saw the first still for that when I was living in France. No. And 
I'm, I think like whether it was just like a really, really early look and it's just been sitting out there. And now, uh, that's supposed to, the last time I checked, come out in December. There's a new Taika Waititi film coming out in November. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for this, Next Goal Wins. Oh, yes, like yes, a, yes, 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 yeah. yeah. He's like a soccer Michael coach. Michael Fassbender yeah, yeah. and Taika Waititi. I'm really excited about that because uh, wow. we haven't gotten a non-Marvel Taika film since Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit, Rabbit for sure, yeah. No, um, no, not so since. anyway. Yeah. What is uh yeah, what's your what's your list? I think for me, without thinking about it a whole lot, I'd probably say Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning one, Oppenheimer two, although that's more of like a one A, one B, and then mm-hmm. then Indiana Jones third, I think. But there's just there's so many. Like I will probably see Asteroid City, I'll probably see Barbie. Like those could still be yeah. really fun, really good. And then not to bring it back to this always, but I am genuinely stoked about Secret Invasion as well on the Marvel yeah. side, which doesn't count as a film, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, that's the, and, and you know, the flash is right around the corner yep. here and there's been a lot of buzz around that movie. Uh, we've been covering some stuff on screensaver plus ahead yeah. of that movie. True. Uh, we, we watched Batman 1989, yes. uh, Unfortunately, for the we first, did. <laughs> for the first time for you. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, that episode is currently available as a as a freebie uh, oh, on the screensaver uh, main feed. Normally, those are available for patrons only, but we wanted to kind of give you all a taste of what Screensaver Plus is looking like. Yeah. And Screensaver itself uh, is really kind of cooking with grease now because we've got yeah. the Across the Spider-Verse episode out and moving into flash and then all these other movies we're we're talking about but yeah i'm glad that you brought up the marvel of it all because man i we've had some big announcements these past few weeks Mm -hmm. and the the year is finally kind of shaping up yes there have been a lot of just shakeups and and kind of false starts and a little bit of of confusion around what this next leg of the mcu would look like uh, you know, it's like things were laid out so clearly pre-COVID. Then everything was on pause. Then stuff started coming out in different order than it was originally supposed to. And we, you know, have talked to death about the potential VFX issues and and rewrites and all that. And I feel like whether that's reading into it or not, we're things back. were kind of put on pause, you know, like after, yeah, like after She-Hulk and Wakanda Forever, it felt like we just took a beat uh, and then Quantumania came out and there was a whole thing there. And then I feel like we've taken almost a longer beat. Uh, and yeah, I think now it's like I'm looking at the rest of the year and Secret Invasion, which we're about to talk about. And then Loki season two, we mm. now know is coming in October on Fridays, on Fridays, which is something you and I have asked for forever. Well, let me... You know, I asked for that as a fan, as a podcast host. I think I got used to the Wednesday thing and liking the Thursday release for our episode. Yeah. Which, you know, we're going to have to change some things up. Yeah, we're figuring it out. October 6th, October 6th. And then all of the episodes of Echo dropping at once on November 29th. Yeah. So that'll be different, which you and I are trying to figure out as podcast hosts again, how to cover that. Yeah. One thing I love about that is just I like getting Loki cemented in. I like mm-hmm. that now we have a bunch of stuff to talk about on the back mm-hmm. half of the fall, which is incredible. 
The one thing I'm really not sure about is, you know what this means? Do you know what I'm about to say? It seems like they're I repeating do. the same thing of, yeah. it looks like unless there's two episodes of Loki in the first week, which is possible, mm-hmm. that the finale will end on a Friday, the same week that the Marvels will release. So again, yeah. just put it out yeah. the end of September if that's the concern. Or know, maybe, right? like I said, maybe they'll do two episodes of Loki on the first week. Yeah. No, I, that is the only, like every every part of that announcement I was excited about, including the all-at-once release for Echo, just because I I think that that's a, you know, it'll, it'll be an interesting chance for Disney to try out a different model. They're obviously trying to kind of figure out how to dial in uh, the Disney Plus stuff anyway when it comes to Marvel. And so I think, and I don't think they've ever done that nope. for any shows, like even Star Wars stuff. So uh, no. I, I think it'll be interesting. What I've read about the Echo show has actually has gotten me really excited. Some of the folks that are working on it, I think Brad Winderbaum, Vinder, Winderbaum, <laughs> Winderbaum uh, from Germany. <laughs> this, is, this is the the German minor in me uh, <laughs> struggling whenever I see a W like that. Uh, but I, uh, I I've seen him talk about how this one feels really special to him, and I do think what well, we've got uh, Matt Murdock and Wilson Fisk both confirmed to appear in that, uh, right? I forget. There are so many what? things that, that fly around Is there. Matt? I know Wilson Fisk is. I'm not sure Matt Murdock is, but I, I thought that I saw that he was, but maybe that's just a rumor still. No, I Let should know Let me fact that. check this real quick. I should know that, but it's been a while since I thought about that show. I think in general, yeah, I'm excited about it just because it's something different. I don't fault them for trying new release strategies. I'm sure they're just experimenting. I don't think I would like every show to be dropped all at once. I've critiqued that before yeah. on the Netflix side. I th- I feel like the advantage of putting them out weekly is everyone stays on the same schedule. So like when you see your friend at work, you know, they've probably seen it and you can talk about it. Yeah. Um, which actually works better for Fridays as well, because then they can watch it and then recap yeah. at work on yeah. Monday. The only thing I'd still change is put it out at five or 6 PM on Friday. I just don't yeah. understand three in the morning, but what did you find? Yeah, which we, we don't know, I guess when they, when they are putting it out, it's uh, still possible. There's hope. What? Uh, two things. One, I confirmed that Matt Murdock is going to be an Echo. Unreal. Uh, it'll be the first time that Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio have appeared together since uh, Daredevil Season 3. That so deserves a... <laughs> Unreal. So that's that's really fun. And, and I, I just, I don't know. I think that that's a good one for that because they're not... Echo, a lot of people won't know that. A lot of people won't understand what a show Echo is about, uh, especially if they haven't revisited Hawkeye since it first aired or never saw Hawkeye. Mm. So I feel like just having one batch of shows and being able to to just tell people, hey, you should check this out, rather than try to get people into it on a week-to-week thing and keep the conversation around it. Because I, I look at how hard it was for Marvel to do that with things like She-Hulk and Miss Marvel, to compete in the week-to-week space when there are other shows on HBO and, and Netflix and whatever else that are not Netflix, but dominating that space. Um, secondly, do you remember, I'm sure people know this, or I could just look it up. What time did WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier episodes drop? Because I know those were on Fridays, but were those like Still in the first middle thing of the in the night. morning? 
Okay. Yeah, like three in the morning, I got Because I, I remember watching the first episode. I, I have such a vivid memory. I had a friend in the town, <clears throat> and he and I and Candace uh, made like a whole thing of of what, like sitting down at like 7 p.m. on Friday night and watching the first two episodes of WandaVision. And oh, it was so fun. And that's was. what I've always kind of been trying to get back. Yep. Uh, not that you and I do not have the privilege of doing that for podcast purposes, but from like a viewer perspective, I would like people to be able to have, well, to not have to cram watches in in the middle of a Wednesday, you know? That's the one single downside of the screeners. The WandaVision show was before our show kind of went to 2.0, like before we took off. And so we didn't have screeners for that. And so, yeah, we were watching it the day it released with everyone else, which is actually kind of fun. But I would never trade, you know, seeing it early. But you know what I'm saying? That was Well, you know, it's it's funny you say that because uh, I – Guardians – was such a unique thing. We talked about this on our on our initial oh, reactions sure. episode, I think, or our spoiler-free preview, where it, it's the the least uh, lead time we've gotten uh, for a Marvel movie in a while just because of our own schedules. We didn't get to see it until a couple days ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And I, again, from a podcast perspective, it was inconvenient because we our, our window got really narrow. But... There was something kind of fun about seeing it at the same time as everybody else, more or less. Hmm. Like just being part of the of the general audience. It's not something that I I like the fact that we're able to <laughs> yes, see these exactly. things early and it's fun. But I do think like at least once in a while it's kind of nice to to it felt like I was just going to a Marvel movie like old times. With no doubt. A, you know, with a super pumped crowd and so anyway. All right. Well, I am glad you're feeling better. Our whole podcast is glad that you are kind of fully on the men now, which is amazing. Uh, excited about the summer, but I wanted to take some people through Secret Invasion in a Saga So Far yes. episode like we've done in the past. If you have not seen the Secret Invasion trailer or you have not seen some of the Marvel movies like Captain Marvel, a few other key ones, uh, obviously you have time to go do that. So we recommend that, but just in case let's recap where all these characters have been briefly from a 3000 mm-hmm. foot view and catch people up on where secret invasion could potentially start off. We have not seen it yet. We plan to see the first few episodes coming really soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where I want to start. Our saga so far episode is brought to you by Nerd Riot, which if you're watching on YouTube yeah, or on look Spotify, at look at these we shirts. We didn't even plan wearing. this. <laughs> which one are you? You're, oh, you get the Pink Floyd shirt. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got the baby. I mean, I really Nirvana. love this one. I like the. I like yours too. I, Do you I, like Nirvana? I love Nirvana. Do you really? Oh, yes. We've never talked about this, bro. I have. I a, love Nirvana. In my Sunday selection post on our Sunday post, I did a. Uh, the listen section about muse. I have a, I have a little bit of a hard rock side to me. I think it's the guitar sure. player in me. So That's occasionally why you love mama's got a brand new hammer. It is. And it's why I love smells like teen spirit, of course. And it's why I love the cover of smells like teen spirit for black widow credits. One of the greatest yeah. opening credits. Yes. Possible. Dude, I did not know that about you. I, I, I feel like that is a, uh, that's one of those, Every now and then you find out something about someone you're good friends with that just shifts your view of them ever so slightly. Mm. And uh, this is a moment like that for me. 
In a positive you. direction? In a positive okay, direction, good. yeah. Candace hates when I listen to Nirvana. What? Because uh, it's just like One of the most revolutionary bands of all time. That's not hyperbole. Oh yeah, and I don't think she, I don't think she would contest that. I think she just really does not like listening to Kurt Cobain's voice. Oh come uh, on! And I think she like, I think she feels like when I'm listening to it, I'm getting a little too like broody Batman. Which I is love true, but. in music history where you can trace trends and see why bands were birthed when they were. And Nirvana mm-hmm. is one of those where if you go back, this is really music nerd stuff. If you go back and listen to like the eighties stuff, there were so many people singing about like, we built this city on rock and, <laughs> but the rock and roll they were talking about was like, and they're all dancing like this. That was so much of the eighties, you know? And then like sticks. And then like from that, I totally get, Bands like Nirvana and mm-hmm. soon to be Weezer being like, that's not, you know, right. bleep rock and roll. This is rock yeah. and roll. Like we're going to get in a garage and we're all going to literally just play at the same time and just shred heavy right. distortion. And it makes total sense. And I love that. Like, I love that while that was what was going on, Nirvana starts with stuff like smells like teen spirit. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. I love that stuff. Yeah, Dude, and by the I, way, I love tracing all those trends. Like, then yeah. eventually you get to, like, the introduction of the computer stuff with, like, EDM. Yeah. Like, remember the early 2000s, like, Britney Spears and Kesha? Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's like everyone got so obsessed with, like, dubstep in music. Then eventually oh, that there was man. so much of that that then it birthed this, like, pop music era of people playing their instruments again. So then like Daft uh-huh. Punk became popular and Mumford and & Sons and the Lumineers. And it was because people oh, were like, yeah. oh, I've only been listening to a computer for the last 10 years. So you, it's just fun to trace. You can see like yeah. why it happens. And you know. Well, and I think we might be heading towards another, you and I have talked about this. We don't have time to go into it now, but uh, heading towards another kind of analog push because I feel like mm. we've gotten As so, AI gets better and better. Yeah. Like it's just, there's so much talk around that right now in a lot of ways. And I think people are, so, like, even just looking at movie reviews, I think people are kind of tired of spectacles for, for spectacles' sake. Hmm. You know, like, I, I think that... Uh, Interesting. We, you know, and who knows? Who knows what that winds up looking like? But I, I agree, it's fun to trace those things. Anyways, back on track. Nerdriot.shop. Check out shirts like this, which, by the way, I, ba- I match my background to match this shirt. See the blue? Wow. Uh, I love this. My daughter loves it because there's a baby on it. But also, it's very comfortable. It fits great. They have a bunch of <laughs> new Guardian stuff, which a couple weeks ago, I wore my Star-Lord shirt. And that, yeah, you're now uh-huh. wearing your Pink Floyd shirt. So again, check this out. Work of art, Nirvana baby group. Nerdriot.shop. Is... Save 15% using our promo code, friends from work. Yes. This is legit my favorite merch drop of theirs so far, the Guardians one. I'm excited Ooh. to see what, what they have coming for stuff later this year. Yep. I think Secret Invasion will be fun. I feel like Loki... Season two, they'll have some really fun stuff in yeah. store. Nerdriot.shop, promo code friends from work, save 15%. Okay, Robbie, let's go all the way back in chronological yep. order yes. to the 1990s with the release of Captain Marvel. When we first see Nick Fury, Talos, Monica, Captain Marvel, a lot yep. of characters, Carol. So let's yeah. go. Yeah, so there are a lot, you know, we're going to be talking about several movies here and they involve a lot of characters. We're going to be keeping it really focused on uh, 
kind of the the intelligence side of mm. the of the MCU, like the political. Yes. Uh, Good point. Not just intrigue, but a little bit of espionage, just a little bit of kind of ground level uh, mechanics. Totally shifting gears off our Guardians cosmic stuff. Yes. We are going the full 180. Yeah, which I love because this is something where we were talking about this not that long ago. I, I can't remember why, but people were asking what's a, I think it was a mailbag episode where people were asking what's a kind of project that I've been craving. And I think I said something kind of in that Winter Soldier genre and mm-hmm. more and more even though this involves aliens it's it's True. looking like that which i which i love um so yeah starting way back in captain marvel we are introduced to nick fury who at that time is a shield agent a high up shield agent but still just an agent uh he's working with a young phil colson uh, Rest in peace. And he's he's working under a director that is played by Ben Mendelsohn, who uh, also is is later impersonated by Talos, uh, also Ben Mendelsohn. So kind of confusing. But do you remember when we first started this podcast and Coulson was the original Dark World, where yes. we had to get Coulson in all the time? So oh man, we're back. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, we're back. Um, so. What's important there is this is the first time that Nick Fury comes into contact with anything uh, kind of otherworldly mm-hmm. or beyond his understanding. Uh, he sees a scroll for the first time mm-hmm. um, whenever he is kind of tricked by one impersonating Coulson. It dies. He sees that that transformation. They examine the body. It starts introducing him to just the the concept of extraterrestrial life. Then he meets Carol Danvers. Mm -hmm. They become friends. They go on kind of a whole adventure. Carol has a real discovering herself moment. And Carol leaves Earth uh, with Fury now realizing that Earth is a lot more vulnerable than he thought. He doesn't just have to protect against foreign terrorists or or any kind of international struggles, but he also has to protect against kind of interplanetary uh, warfare potentially. And so- Pause right he, there. Yeah. Because important relationships are obviously built. That's a huge takeaway. That- Yes. Yeah. Nick Fury's relationship with Talos is forged here, but also his relationship with Carol, which mm-hmm. both of those things become very important, even with regards to Secret Invasion later on, especially in regards to Endgame and the things that happen there. No, I'm glad you brought that up. Maybe talk about for a moment who Talos is and and what that relationship looks like. Good point. So Talos is a shape-shifting alien from a race called the Scrolls, okay, who at the beginning of this film we are led to believe are the bad guys. That Carol Danvers, who is supposed to be a Cree, which she's not, but we think she's a Cree, is trying to stop and end this war against the Scrolls, who are evil people. Turns out in a total 180 rug pulled out from under us that Carol is a human. The scrolls are actually the ones being abused and uh, it's almost genocide. They're being wiped off the face of the galaxy and they don't Mm -hmm. have a home planet anymore and they need help finding a new home planet, which is where Carol comes into play. But Nick Fury figures that all out as well. The second thing I was going to say is not only are those relationships forged, but I think this is the beginning for Nick, obviously of his eyes being open to just the expanse of what, is going on in the galaxy. Not only, as he says, is Earth hopelessly outmatched in technology and things Hilariously. like that. 
hilariously. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he's now decided like, okay, he needs to put together a team of people that could stand up against people like an evil Captain Marvel. Like he sees how strong mm-hmm. she is. What do we do if something like that is as strong as her, but bad, his eyes are being opened. Those are the two things that are massive from this film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a great, yeah, that's a great recap. And I, I think that we talked about this recently, but it's important to remember that the way that that Fury and the Scrolls initially part ways is with Carol agreeing to, after they kind of defeat the the Kree group that's trying to track them down, Carol agrees to help them find a new home where they will kind of be safe from the Kree and free to start kind of rebuilding. And so that's the last we see of them. We don't see them do that. We see them head off to do that, but we did not actually yeah. see it happen. And we and we never see them or Carol again until way later. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But one of my favorite moments from Captain Marvel still is the very end when we see Nick deciding that he needs to create this team, like you were saying. 100%. And he is looking at a photo of Carol and he's he's realizing that he needs to find a way to replace Carol, which I also love because one of the big conversations has been, oh, we have this really strong, almost kind of Superman-esque hero in the background. Why do we need the Avengers? And I almost like the idea of him initially trying to gather a team to try to just collectively be as powerful as Captain Marvel. Now, that's not me saying that Captain Marvel is more powerful than the Avengers collectively, but I kind of like that way of looking at it. I like that way of looking at where the name came from because otherwise it makes no real sense why they ever would have called it the Avengers Initiative. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's where we kind of leave off with Fury in the 90s. Carol only leaves him a pager to stay in touch. Yeah, yeah, which apparently he chooses not to use uh, for a very long time. But I also think you're meant to see that he's not supposed to blow up her phone. <laughs> it's only yeah. for absolute emergencies. So, and she does say that. Yep. Um, and and I think I think Fury also knows that he can't rely on one person that that's not even living on Earth. So, like it, he can't. Yes. It's not going to work for him to just constantly call her anytime something goes wrong. Right. Uh, so I think it makes sense that he would want to, even in the midst of pretty heavy disasters, continue to to work on it from within, which is what leads us to his next appearance, still one of my favorites, uh, at the very end of the first Iron Man film, mm-hmm. uh, where he reveals himself to Tony Stark and announces to us for the first time that the Avenger Initiative is something that's going on, and uh, we get the sense... <laughs> Just one of the best post-credit scene written by Brian Michael Bendis, which is really fun. Oh, wow. Um, so that's the first time we hear about it. First time we're introduced to Nick Fury in release order. Um, and it's just a couple seconds. The next time we really see Nick Fury and learn about him will be in Iron Man 2, which is also the first time that we meet Don Sheetle's Rhodey, uh, James Rhodes, who is another character that is going to feature pretty prominently in Secret Invasion. Obviously, Rhodey was introduced as a character uh, played by Terrence Howard in the first Iron Man film. And we see there that he is a colonel in the military. He's Tony Stark's best friend. 
he kind of helps Tony as as Tony's well he he rescues Tony uh, when he first goes into the cave and he is kind of a sounding board as he's working on the armor, but he doesn't really start playing a pivotal role until Iron Man two, which mm-hmm. is when he's recast. And this is the film where Rhodey first dons the war machine armor after Tony is kind of spinning out and he feels like he's not responsible enough to handle it. So on the one side of that movie, uh, which has like five different plots going at any given time, we have, still love uh, it. we have Rhodey figuring out what it would look like for him to have his own kind of Iron Man suit and what it would look like for that to be sanctioned and, and maybe working in tandem with the U.S. government, which will be important. And on the other hand, we have Tony trying to figure out how to both save his life and fight uh, this kind of, you know, demon from his father's past, which is turning into the villain Whiplash. And on that side, we have Nick Fury showing up again, who starts to tell us more about what S.H.I.E.L.D. has looked like in the years since we last saw him in Captain Marvel. S.H.I.E.L.D. has grown. Uh, he is now the director. He And conversely, he, Rhodey is also advancing in his career. So as S.H.I.E.L.D. is yes. growing, Rhodey is kind of going from Tony's friend, just like a military pilot, to general and working his way up, et cetera. Yeah, and becoming kind of a the, the military's weapons expert, I think we yeah. find out in mm-hmm. that hearing. We learned that Fury knew uh, Tony's father and that they had worked together, uh, which kind of makes sense timeline-wise. And so he tells Tony a lot that Tony doesn't know about his dad, and that's kind of the first time that that Fury and Tony start to have a relationship, although I wouldn't say that they're friends. That <laughs> film. Let me pause and zoom out because we're getting into the weeds here. I'm going to take us yeah. back and basically yeah, say yeah. Nick is putting together a team. And while Nick yeah. is putting together a team, S.H.I.E.L.D. is growing in prominence, in strength, et cetera. Because yes. we also see him in Captain America briefly recruit yeah. Captain America. We see S.H.I.E.L.D. in Thor recruit Thor. So he is taking that relationship that he had, that idea that he had, and he's building a team. Yeah, good good point. Um, I uh, it's because I feel like I we're like, talking about Tony's dad. <laughs> like I'm like, okay, let's back I'm just, up here. But I'm explain I'm explaining how how integrated Fury has been in all of these characters' lives. He is lives. integral to the plot. Yes. Um, and so all of this culminates in the first Avengers film. One of the first characters that we see there is Nick Fury, and basically the only the only thing we need to know here is he is the one that literally now calls everybody in, including Bruce Banner. Um, and gets them all kind of ready after some, you know, familial <laughs> struggles to take on Loki and the invasion. And it's really close at the very end, and Fury is kind of fighting against this World Security Council that we find out is kind of overseeing S.H.I.E.L.D. Every um, world knows it. Let's go! <laughs> and convinces them, well kind of forces them to let him use the Avengers instead of nuking New York City, which turns yeah. out to be a good decision. Yes. Uh, hey, I always learned as a kid, make bad decisions, bad things happen. That was a bad decision right there. Man, <laughs> he, that's that's the moment where I'm like, what a, he he really, uh, if, if we're looking at this, you know, chronologically and reading back into it with Captain Marvel, he was really 
really trusting in the Avengers' ability there to uh, to keep that nuke from hitting, <laughs> to not call Captain Marvel in those final moments. But you know, yeah. um, well, at that point it was so too yeah. late. But yes, that's that's fair. I don't know though. Light speed. So that film ends with the Avengers kind of now as a standing entity that will be called back as necessary. Uh, and, and yeah, shield is kind of at the height of its power. I would say at the end of the first Avengers film, mm-hmm. let's get into more of this after a quick word from these sponsors. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So that's kind of the state of the world after the first Avengers. Everyone's sort of reeling from the status quo change of there was an alien invasion and we now have a superhero team. And so the first time that we really see what the impact of that looks like on the ground level is Iron Man 3 when Mm -hmm. we check back in with Tony, but more important for our purposes with Rhodey, who now has an even more integral role because he's now using the war machine suit, but it's painted red, white, and blue. It's called Iron Patriot. uh, And he is actually working with the U.S. government as kind of the the figurehead, but but also like the the right-hand man of the executive branch in some ways. Taking orders from the president and the vice president. Yeah. So we see him kind of going on missions, trying to stop the Mandarin, uh, the who we think is the Mandarin at that point. And so really th- there's a lot of roadie in that film. Uh, and we just see how high up, to your point, he, he is in the U.S. government, how comfortable he's getting with the armor. It's fascinating how little the Marvel Cinematic Universe has utilized the American president. I was just thinking about that. Every yeah. other long-running series would have the president be like a big deal. It'd be a big deal character. It'd be a reveal who it was. It'd be that the president said this. And even in the Avengers, they're using the world security council instead of the president, Mm. which I like, but you know, we're working towards Rhodey becoming the right-hand man of the president before secret invasion. And I just wonder if maybe now we're going to start seeing, like, are we going to see the president as a big character? And then, and in general, we just talk about we talk about the government some, but it's always just in the background. Like the, the American government is yeah. never the driving force of the MCU. Which I, I do like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Me too. Because it makes the Avenger it makes it feel more global. It's uh, also more unique. Yeah. I, I think um it's a uh, it's a big difference from the way it was handled in the the Snyderverse Justice League stuff. That's what way. I mean. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I'm glad that you that you seized on that though because I I think that's a that's going to be an interesting thing to trace and our our friends from work news correspondent Greg Arnold uh, pointed this out to me a couple of weeks back because we do have this is the most prominent we ever have the U.S. president in Iron mm-hmm. Man three we see multiple scenes with him it's President 
Matthew Ellis, I think is his name. Ellis okay. for sure. Um, I uh, I also think that that's a shout out to to Warren Ellis who wrote the um, oh that's fun the comic that Iron Man three is largely based on. It'll obviously but, be um, a new president at this point because it's so many years ago. Yeah, yeah, we have. I mean, we haven't seen one since then. Uh, but I think yeah, it it will be a new president since then. But already we know that Rhodes was pretty comfortable with him. I mean, they, I think that they had a a real relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it makes sense that he would continue to be high up. One thing that I think is is worth noting, in case we forget, kind of as we're looking through the presidents in the background, we have been told that Harrison Ford oh, is yes. going to be playing a president, Thaddeus Ross. So by the time we get to Wait. Captain America New World Order. I'm such he, a bobo. I just said all that about the president, but... That's confirmed, right? I knew that. What? It, well, no, it is confirmed, but I don't think he's going to be the president necessarily. Well, we don't know that he's the president in Secret Invasion. I would think he's not because we haven't had Harrison Ford confirmed for that. And we oh, okay. know that the president will play a role. Okay, but, sorry. You got me confused there. I get it. I get it. makes me think that we could be looking at a scroll president uh, that will have to uh, maybe give way to to a Ross. How much uh, you know about your security detail? Dun, dun, dun. Or, you know, just democracy does its thing and votes in a uh, retired general that has made a lot of questionable decisions. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you're, you're right. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with the, the presidency and the MCU, but I didn't think about I, that side of it either. Ross would actually be a terrible candidate. He's mishandled oh, yeah. a lot of situations. He tried Almost to kill everyone. Black Widow. Yeah, almost every situation has, <laughs> has been mishandled. Uh, but, you know, he's got a great uh, speech about his his golf game realizations. And his swing is not great. His left arm folds during that. So when he's talking about it, I'm like, <laughs> this guy doesn't play a lot of golf. Or if he does, he's he's a 20 handicapper. Yeah, yeah, fair. Uh, but I, I, that was a good, that was a good, it sounds like we got sidetracked. But I, I, I do think that the... Uh, the political stuff that that's what I'm excited to trace here through both this and new world order and Thunderbolt, some other projects we have coming. So I think that's all good to keep in mind. But after Iron Man three, we leave Rhodey not, he's not, I don't think we find this out in that movie, but the next time we see him will be in age of Ultron when he's back and, and just the war machine mode, not iron Patriot, but still kind of same suit, put that on the shelf for a second and winter soldier, prior to Age of Ultron, that's the next time we see Nick Fury. Probably outside of Captain Marvel, the second most important film for Secret Invasion, I would say. Yes, yeah. Um, I I think if you're going to watch two things prior to Secret Invasion, I would watch Captain Marvel and Winter Soldier. Because Nick Fury has now reached the height of his powers. He has grown S.H.I.E.L.D. to a level where it's like a world power in and of itself. They have military, etc. What is happening? It's getting so dark. Look at your camera. Yeah, they just got super cloudy outside. (laughs) Robbie's disappearing on me. He's dusting away. Um, uh, Sorry about that. Uh, But he's he's reached his his full powers. And basically that all gets torn down. And I say that because this is kind of the end of Nick Fury as we know him, which is a perfect setup for secret invasion because Nick has all yeah. this, all this might, 
all this tech and he loses it all because of an infiltration into S.H.I.E.L.D. And so the Avengers, the remaining Avengers, decide that they have to tear this down, start over. Nick loses Mm -hmm. all of that stuff and in a key scene, kind of officially for the first time ever, starts taking orders from Captain America. The roles start reversing where he is now not in charge anymore because of some things that were mishandled. Yeah, which I think is is really important from a 3,000-foot perspective because Nick Fury has always been, since day one, uh, the driving force behind every, every connection that we've had in the MCU has been made through Nick Fury in some way or another. And from here on out, yeah, he, the kind of center of the universe, is stepping back. He formally sort of retires, fakes his, doesn't fake his own death per se, but I guess kind of fakes his own death and has like a gravestone. And, and so he, he's going undercover and ostensibly that's where we leave him for the most part. Uh, Which also tonally that film probably prepares you the most for this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it also, I don't know that I've thought about it this way before, but it leaves this power vacuum that the Avengers themselves then kind of have to fill, which I think results in the level of discomfort people feel by the time we get to Civil War. Because the Avengers prior to Winter Soldier point. were kind of still under the the umbrella of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it was truly only an emergency response team. It yeah. was like they go their separate ways. They're not like shield as far as agents constantly working. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like now we know that the World Security Council had been infiltrated by Hydra on some level. But at least in theory, the idea was the Avengers answered to Nick Fury, who answered to the World Security Council. So there was some level of of yes. governance. Yep. Whereas Good after point. Nick Fury's gone and and shield's gone in in total then yep. they're out doing missions now and then that's what probably escalates the accords because yeah, now they're yeah. out all the time doing stuff we and see so that. we we briefly see Nick Fury again in Age of Ultron trying to play the role now of uh, almost uh motivator kind of fatherly advisor <laughs> yeah inspirational speaker yeah um and it, it's I struggle a little bit with that just because I it comes so so soon after Winter Soldier. I love the scenes we get with Fury in Age of Ultron. Hmm. Uh, Outwit the Platinum it, Bastard. <laughs> it does. It uh, anyway. It it sort of makes it unclear exactly how underground he is at that point. Mm. But that is actually definitively the last time that we will see him until basically the end of. Well, literally the end of of, uh, Infinity War, so the end of the Infinity Saga. Mm -hmm. And what happens in the meantime is you see people try to kind of fill that power vacuum. Like we're saying, the Sokovia Accords, we see Ross resurface as kind of a potential governmental uh, liaison with the Avengers. We see the introduction of Agent Ross, different, different Ross, Everett Ross, played by Martin Freeman in Civil War, who is a CIA agent. Uh, mm-hmm. that is also becoming involved with kind of the enhanced side of things politically. Uh, we see him again in Black Panther. We see him most recently in Wakanda Forever, where he's still kind of operating as an expert. I say all that because he's going to be showing up in Secret Invasion as well. Um, and then during that same time, we see Rhodey choose to sign the Accords 
and become even more of a governmental figure until in Infinity War when he basically commits treason and refuses to obey an order by Thaddeus Ross <laughs> to side with the, the outlawed Avengers. Another bad decision by Ross, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Nick Fury then is dusted away when Thanos snaps everyone out of existence or half of the galaxy out of existence. I think he's the only one in regards to secret invasion that is dusted that we know of. We don't know if Talos was, but yeah. And I don't think we know if, uh, if Everett Ross was hmm. either. I feel like they would have made mention of that in Wakanda forever, but maybe not. Uh, anyways, he gets dusted away. Captain Marvel helps the Avengers bring them all back at the end of Endgame. Yes, I just fast-forwarded through two incredible films and six hours as of does, content. As does Rhodey. Um, and he Ro- plays yeah. a pivotal role there. Yeah, good point, good point. But here's my point. I'm trying to get to the point where, where are they all at? Yeah, by the end of the Infinity Saga proper, you know, if you see it ending with Endgame, Rhodey has now been more involved on the Avengers level than ever before. Mm-hmm. Like, we see him in that core team that does bring back the Infinity Stones and defeat Thanos. We should also mention that during that time that we kind of glazed over um, in Civil War, Rhodey is a casualty of that of that fight and that he becomes paralyzed from the waist down. That has not had a huge impact because Tony was able to build him uh, leg braces that basically allow him to walk, and so we've seen him walk a good bit since then. Um, but... We leave him there in terms of his kind of superheroing, but I think for our purposes here, the last appearance we had of Rhodey that will maybe be more telling was in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series, where we kind of see him briefly talking with Sam about taking over the role of Captain America. They have a conversation kind of about the state of the world. But again, it feels like he's advanced there. He, he like he, even yeah. his demeanor, he carries himself more as like a higher up government person than War Machine. Yeah, yeah. Well, and even just the way the conversation that we see him having with Sam, it it, it shows mm-hmm. kind of a uh, a political perspective, and so I think that that sets it up nicely for his next appearance here to yeah. be more in that vein. Because I actually don't know if we're ever going to see him suit up. I mean, yeah. I, I assume I don't know. Who knows? But that takes that's Rhodey kind of all the way. Up. Yeah, that takes Rhodey up to Secret Invasion. Yeah, yeah. And so then the very next project in our watch order. Uh, after Falcon Lunar Soldier is Spider-Man Far From Home, which we we just covered both of these recently in our Phase 4 rewatch, by the way, if you want to go back and listen point. more in full. Uh, but Spider-Man Far From Home is an interesting one here because we have a whole movie with Nick Fury, uh, except we find out at the very end that the Nick Fury that has been helping Spider-Man face the Mysterio threat, is not actually Nick Fury. Uh, We find out that this is Talos going all the way back to Captain Marvel. That was the leader of the Skrulls that we haven't seen since he departed with Carol. We have no idea what's going on with the Skrulls or that they're even still present until we see this uh, and and a brief appearance in WandaVision from someone that we... Which, which does matter, yeah. Uh, I think maybe more for the Marvels than for Secret Invasion. But, but here's why, no, because here's why I think it matters. I think it matters that, again, 3,000-foot view, that they right. still have that relationship. 
So Nick Fury yeah, ends yeah. up going away. Talos stays behind. They're clearly working together. Nick Fury is now on the scroll ship. He's out. But they are in enough of a conversation that Monica Rambeau knows these scrolls or like is not surprised to see them. Yeah. Which, yeah, she works into the Marvels more, but just the scrolls are on Earth and some are trying to help. Yeah. Well, and I say that not dismissively because I think I think it was Sam Jackson. It was maybe I think it was Sam Jackson said recently in an interview that the the events of Secret Invasion set up the events of the Marvels. Uh in which he will also appear. So I I think that those are going to be very connected, which makes sense. Uh but yeah, so we find out scrolls are still around and Nick Fury is actually yeah, in space with the scrolls doing something. I think we now know from things that have been released in interviews and press releases by Marvel that the scrolls are still on a journey trying to find a home base mm. that the promise that Captain Marvel made has not necessarily been fulfilled. Yep. Which could explain maybe some discontent within that group. Leading to... Amelia Clark's new character, which yes. she is supposed to play Talos's daughter, who grew up with the hope of a planet and apparently maybe now doesn't have one. So yeah, maybe some bitterness there. So 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 in in summary, let me just do this. Yeah. Rhodey has gone from Iron Man's sidekick to right hand to the president. Nick Fury built a team after seeing that the galaxy was bigger than he thought it was. He assembled the Avengers. They did some stuff. He lost his power at S.H.I.E.L.D. S.H.I.E.L.D. fell apart. He had to kind of go into hiding, making occasional appearances here and there, and then ultimately switching with Talos and hopping on the scroll ship and headed out to space to do something else. Secret Invasion is going to call him back to Earth for some reason. We don't know yet. Talos yeah. shows up on Earth as, quote-unquote, the bad guy, only to find out that he's not a bad guy and Nick Fury is going to try to help him. He leaves with that, but somewhere in there comes back to Earth and is impersonating Nick Fury to help Nick Fury cover his butt while he's gone. But that relationship is cordial, and there are other scrolls on Earth where the relationship is healthy and cordial, but we're now seeing that not all scrolls are having a uh, altruistic motive here on Earth. So that's yeah. where Talos is at. Martin Freeman's character was a CIA agent for America, in Black Panther, he has just been helping out in the government, but we saw in Wakanda Forever that he is also elevating his role over and over again, although he gets in trouble with Val yeah. in the middle of Wakanda Forever, but that gets redeemed when you find out that he is actually in the right on that. Yeah, um, he is broken. I mean, he's. I think he's in custody until uh, the Dormelage break him out. So good he point. is, I, I so, think we're going to find him on the run. And in, in that's some a good point. He's not all good because yeah, he's all good with Wakanda, but he might not be yeah, with America. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know if he's in Wakanda where he's going to be, but I think it, it, the other kind of final thing there, the glimpses that we've gotten through Falcon Winter Soldier, far from home a bit, uh, Wakanda forever. We see, uh, the post-snap world kind of now coming back together and getting things in some order, figuring out what it looks like to, to reassemble uh, governments or, or figuring out how to redraw borders. We're talking about 
you know, weapons of, of mass destruction from vibranium. And just now that we know that all these things exist, how do they do it? There's some clear tension between uh, these governments. And so I, I'm, I'm curious to see how that looks, you know, because the whole purpose of Secret Invasion in the comics is, is to really turn different people against each other and therefore weaken Earth. And so you have to wonder, like we have Olivia Coleman playing, yep. I think kind of a, a MI6 uh, yeah. high up British intelligence uh, director. Like Bond and, from Bond. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, it'll be interesting to see who, you know, who's a scroll, who's been infiltrated. That's going to be the, the real fun of this particular series. Uh, I think that the the final piece of that, talking about the intelligence community, we don't know for sure. Uh, we don't know at all. It, it hasn't even been alluded to. I personally suspect that we might see Sharon Carter show up here, who is a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent and former CIA agent, maybe restored CIA agent after Falcon Winter Soldier. I forget exactly what capacity she's, she's put back into place as. And maybe even more likely, I think we might see JLD here as Val, mm. just given how integral she seems to be in the the kind of post blip uh, political US side. intelligence yes. coalition. Yeah. Yes, yeah, hundred percent. Uh, I think that that about covers us. Here's what I want to say to close, and this is very important. We have other resources for you. So if that sounded fun or you're into that kind of thing. Oh my goodness, there's all kinds of stuff you could do. First of all, if you want more of it, you can go back and listen to specifically those episodes. Like we have a mm -hmm. Falcon and Winter Soldier review. Um, we have a Far From Home review. We have a Captain Marvel going way back, catch up. Mm -hmm. um, so there's all kinds of ways on the podcast front you can get more information on what to expect for Secret Invasion. Secondly... It's either out or it will be out very soon. We're putting out another screen recap, a film recap that we call a friendly reminder on YouTube. These have been really fun. It's all clips of the show. So basically everything we just said condensed into 10 minutes and in video form. So you can see the characters we're talking about as we describe it. This is a perfect tool for somebody who's not seen any of these projects, but wants to watch Secret Invasion or maybe your spouse is going to watch Secret Invasion as the first yeah. Marvel project since Guardians. Maybe they saw that one and now they want to see more. Well, show them this 10-minute friendly reminder to catch them up on where these characters have been and who they are and what they're doing, etc. Also, if you subscribe to Friends from Work Plus, I'm sure there will be some comic book readings you can do to get even more information on some of the source material regarding Secret Invasion. And by the way, I just got to say, if you're doing that, you should obviously be buying those comic books at organicpricebooks.com because they are the cheapest option. They are incredibly well shipped, clean, new, fresh, like a fresh car smell when you get it. And mm -hmm. you can save a little bit of money by using our referral link in these show notes and using our promo code friends from work. So truly, if you're going to be reading these comics, which you could probably recommend a couple, I think go to organicpricebooks.com because you're going to save money and you're going to get a good product. It's just it's a win, 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 win. Yeah. This is one of the rare Marvel projects that has a straight up comic analog. Yeah. And so this is a more than normal, like for guardians, it, I wouldn't say that there are necessarily comics that are essential at all. And for most projects, sure. uh, but this is one where, yeah, if you, if you want to read some comics, this is a one secret invasion is a fun event and it is a great 
collection to buy from Organic Price Books. We are planning to do, hopefully, a spoiler-free preview of the first few episodes if we get to see them early. So be on the lookout for that coming really soon. And then, like we said, not only on Friends From Work, but subscribe to our podcast called Screensaver. Robbie and I, same thing, but covering other projects that are coming out this summer. So, so many ways you can get involved, so much stuff going on. We'll be right back here on Friends From Work talking more Secret Invasion soon here on Friends From Work.